Hello, TTB community. I am Bob Demena, and here with me, as always, is the rapturous Elliot Chibley. Each week, we like to bring you insight from travel authors, adventurers, conservationists, digital nomads, tour guides, and some from our, and from some of our very own personal travel experiences. This week is our Travel Bites episode, where we discuss our favorite travel and adventure-related news from the month prior. And if you're listening to this and have interesting news that you want to uh, send our way and we'll share on the episode, please do so either uh, via Gmail at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com, or you can send us a direct message on Instagram at thetravelersblueprint. We will give you a shout out. Thank you for the news article, and, uh, and, and it'll be a lot of fun. This month's Travel Bites episode, or this these articles this week are... A flight rescue to Alaska. We talk about Google Flight's new pilot program. Uh, there's no pun intended there. Maybe there was. We have audio and video from a Ryanair flight. There is an increased demand for transatlantic flights to Europe from the U.S. We're going to take a, a look at an interesting article about less cars, more money, and cities of the future, which is loosely related to travel, but mostly related to urban development and landscape architecture. Then we have another article on Airbnb and Fairbnb. And the last article is a $20 million heist at the Toronto airport. Travel tip for this episode is use Google Street View to make notes on your Airbnb entranceway unless the Specifically, if the Airbnb doesn't give you good guidance to begin with. I actually went to an Airbnb last weekend, and the instructions were unbelievably clear. There are actually several steps, and I had no issues getting in. I left them a great review. But if they don't have clear instructions, check for things like if there's a back door next to a metal gate, or if it's next to an alley, or if there are many doors, or in the case when Bob, Mike, and I went to... Uh, Southern Pennsylvania to do that long hike to see if there's another building behind the building that you actually are staying in. And yeah, and you could do that research on Google Earth and save yourself a ton of time, especially for international trips. Yes. Yeah. And especially if you're low on data or your phone's about to die, just check it out ahead of time. That's the tip. Before we get started, if you like us or love us and find this podcast entertaining, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. We would also be forever grateful if you could subscribe to the show and share our social media posts as a story on Facebook or Instagram. And we post and share everything from our Travel Bites episodes to our individual guest episodes. Join in on the conversation. We'd love to see you there. Lastly, please consider some of the awesome travel products we offer. How do you organize and plan your trip? So if you like to keep your trip organized like we do, you can use the travel journal and planner that we developed for our very own personal travel experiences. This will allow you to record things like the dates, the budget, the top destinations, the currency exchange rate, the time difference. It has a fillable calendar and it provides you the ability to write out your entire itinerary by the hour. In addition to that, it has a place to store reservation information, a packing list, a to-do list. And then at the very back, it offers you space to journal about your trip. You can find this travel journal planner on our products page, and once you download it, you have it forever, and you can reprint and refill it out for every trip you have moving forward. Now, if you do decide to purchase this, we encourage you to reach out to us with any tips to make it better. 
To help compile all of your info for the journal slash planner, we turned ourselves into cartoons to create a five-part video course that provides a step-by-step -step process to create the ultimate itinerary, including number one, navigation, number two, booking airfare, number three, blogs, research, and reviews, number four, itinerary building, and number five, safety, cultural norms, and thoughtful travel. The goal of this video tutorial is so that you can become your own personal travel agent and learn how to be plan efficient trips now and forever, all the while saving you money to splurge on a nice meal or first class seat for your next adventure. Yeah, and now, so if you still think that planning your trip is a little bit too much or you just don't have time to sit down and actually do it, I can personally plan your trip for you using all the information that we just mentioned. If you're interested in this, please send me an email at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com or visit our service pages on our website and we can meet over Zoom to discuss the details of your trip. You want to contribute to the podcast? If you work in the travel industry, you can join us for a travel roundtable discussion by submitting your information through the TAT form on our website. You can also send us a travel article via direct message or at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com for the monthly Travel Bites episode. Support us by wearing us. Go to redbubble.com to find awesome gear and merchandise of the Traveler's Blueprint. Some of the cost comes directly to us to help support the podcast. We definitely recommend the hoodie and the hat and maybe a sticker or a travel mug. Whether you purchase a product from us or just want to learn about travel alongside us as we interview our guests, know that we greatly value your support as a listener of the show. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. All right. Up first, we have a 660-mile rescue flight from in Alaska to a small remote island two miles from Russia. Now, all of this just makes it very difficult. The situation, the, the timing of it, the village, the geography. And Bob, I'll let you get into a little bit of what happened. Well, it, it, it appears that you have this uh, native village, uh, like an Eskimo village, right at the edge of the Bering Strait on the border of Russia. A woman in that village was having abdominal pains associated with being pregnant. So we have a pregnant woman who needed medical help uh, in this village of 80 people. They do not have any medical professionals. And so they needed to rescue her. There's obviously no airport, so they couldn't send a large plane or a large helicopter. They had to send one of those fixed wing uh, aircrafts out there, twin engine aircrafts. They had to refuel twice to get out there um, in the air. <laughs> uh, took five hours. They ended up getting her, bringing her back, and it seems as though she's okay. I think, yeah, not only uh, like the environmental issues related to the logistics of getting a plane out there safely and having it return. But you also have the geopolitical situation of it being right on the edge with Russia. Tensions are obviously very, very high with Russia right now. And so, you know, it. it I'm, I'm assuming it was in a very intense situation. Um, it, yeah, it, it says that a civilian yeah. medical crew was on standby in Nome where they were but they were unable to fly their helicopter there because of the poor weather conditions. So the National Guard aircraft had to launch from Anchorage, which was farther away from where, from this village. Um, yeah, it, it, they did get out and they got her back and it seems like everything worked out in the end. Yeah, no incidents. Kind of crazy. 
Yeah. Yeah. Pretty intense. I mean, that's, that's what comes with living in a village on the Bering Strait. Uh, you know, uh, there's no convenience. <laughs> it seems like, you know, from what I read that they're still hunting seals and polar bears for food. And so they're yep. very much isolated and living off the land, very different from how you and I live. And it's sort of interesting realizing that they're in the United States and living like that, you know? Yes. Well, and they will never listen to this podcast, most likely. No, no, probably. I don't think they have service. Download it. Um, all right. Moving on to Google Flights, bringing it back to the 21st century and tech. Um, Almost the 20th century. Okay. They're rolling out a new program where they'll essentially refund you if you book a flight with them that then has a price decrease. It says it has to be greater than $5 and you can only receive 500 in total per calendar year. There seems to be a major caveat to this is that like no one has confirmed that it exists yet. So in the article... Uh, that came from the Point Sky, which is a pretty big credit card and travel site. They tried to book 100 different routes, and none of them had this, what they're calling a, bright, a price guarantee badge. So whether or not this actually exists is still up in the air. Google says it does, but I, I haven't personally seen it yet. Um, no, I, I was trying to test it out before we started, and there it seems like it's still very few and far between and i'd be curious i still don't understand from the article is google issuing the refund yes yes so you the, what you'll do is you'll have to book through google so google flights is now essentially like kayak so you book through google flights and when you do that they will pay you back if the price of the flight drops uh, that's man, they're going to really corner the market if that rolls out to be a real thing. Like, why would anybody book on any other platform? Um, you don't even get a refund if you book with American Airlines and the price drops. It's not like American Airlines gives you a refund. So, I don't yeah. see. I don't if if they can roll this out and it becomes a a real thing. I mean, it does say it's only for domestic flights right now. I would imagine if it's successful, they would expand that, but. Uh, if there, if I had the opportunity to make X amount of dollars back because my flight drops, I would never book on any other platform. So it, it, this will be interesting to see. And, and can they do it? Like they're not in charge and they have no ability to affect airline prices. And so if everybody is booking with them and suddenly there are a lot of returns, I mean, I guess you can kind of say like how often do flights go down in price? I mean, I don't know what the numbers are, but it feels like almost never. They almost always go up. So it, it is probably a rarity in the airline booking yeah. world. It'll definitely be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll probably come back to this once it's more mainstream. Sorry, I may have missed this when I was looking to see. Did you talk about the total amount of refunds you can get within a calendar year? I did. Yeah. 500. Okay. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next one. A plane is on fire. Yeah, I, I feel like we've had a few too many of these recently. Yeah, not a fan. Not a fan of fired uh, of, of planes with on fire. So there's video of this. So a guy, uh, I believe it was a man, was in on a Rainair flight, seated on the window side of the plane behind the wing. And in his video, you can see fire flames like sort of shooting back. Uh, the pilot gets 
is very calm in the video and it says, says something along the lines of uh, apparently uh, or as you are aware we have a situation please remain seated <laughs> like and and oh and they say something along the lines of now is a good time to review the safety packet in the front of your in the seat in front of you uh <laughs> and it was related to a technical issue i guess with the nose landing gear so yeah it was already... mainly sparks okay not, not quite fire it looked like fire in the video did you watch the video yeah 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 so um anytime you have any even the most minor of incidents on a plane like it's super scary you don't know how bad it actually is especially in real time um yeah any bit of of issues yeah even the most minor sort of scares you because plane crashes are pretty devastating uh and they're caused by minor things i actually saw we don't have the article here um, but there was another plane that had a pretty significant issue um, because it flew into a bird and a bird went into the engine. I think that was in the United yep. States. So, yeah. Um, okay. well, I did see a video recently, not not necessarily news, but uh, more of like a info video about how flexible plane wings are. Hmm. Have you? I, I don't know if you know this, but they can they can move up to like fifteen feet at wow. the tips. Wow. Wow. Yeah. No, I did not know yeah. that. Because, I mean, if you think about it during turbidity and or turbulence and takeoff and landing, there's significant pressure on those wings, especially with the weight of the fuel in the engine. Um, so when you don't want something rigid because something rigid could break, you want something flex flexible mm -hmm. that yeah. will actually bend. Did did you ever see the CGI video of a pl airplane landing and you have you see the give in the wings a little bit and then someone sort of I don't know generates a a fake airplane over that and it suddenly like turns into a bird and it just starts the it's, it starts flapping and it flaps away. <laughs> I have not seen that. That's kind of hilarious. Pre it's pretty funny. Uh, all right, next one. Uh, if you plan on going to Europe this year, uh, anticipate higher prices by about 31 percent and expect delays and all of the mess that we dealt with last summer so from what i understand and i'm sort of combining other things that i've read with this article that travel is going to be hectic again we haven't quite gotten to the point where we've satisfied all the positions needed to have airfare or air travel flow like it should you have an increase in demand an increase in cost and an insufficient amount of employees working at the airlines to meet that but there demand. But it is still an increase in capacity. They are increasing capacity. Meet it. Right. Yeah. So they are you are seeing additional flights from JFK to Europe and and um internally within Europe as well. But it's going to be a hectic business, I'm sorry, travel season this summer from what I'm on, from yeah. what I'm reading. So it's, it is a little different than last year, right? Last year, we are looking at a 77% increase in people searching for European travel. So there's just a lot more people going, which is great. But the issues still are, while there is increased capacity, while there is increased demand, the prices are still going to be higher. And they just can't keep up with the increase. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. So just, I think if you expect this and have this in the back of your mind going into the summer, um, it'll make it a little bit easier for you. Be patient, but it's not going to be smooth sailing. Yeah. I mean, and if unless... you can be, we, I, I think, I don't know how many times we've talked about it on episodes and in our tips, 
be flexible with your flying dates because if you can put that if you want to take a one week trip or like a seven or eight day trip uh, in Google Flights, you can just pop that in and say you want to travel in May, June or July and it'll find the best flights for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. This Nice. next one is is right up my alley. Uh, it is all about cities of the future and basically cities of the future won't contain well in this situation did not contain cars. And when you think about the first, I don't know, 20,000 years of human civilization, there were no cars. Towns were smaller, everyone communicated and did everything at a very small local level. And then hundred years ago, we get the car, everything changes, everything. And now we've had cars for a hundred years, we're now looking at getting rid of them in, in cities, newly designed cities, and basically putting those cities, and when I say cities, in this case, they looked at the idea of taking a mall parking lot and converting it back to basically a small city. And the density you can have in there, as long as you don't have cars in that city, it's mostly alleys, plazas, alleys, all pedestrian oriented, bikes are allowed. But This individual, what, uh, what's Mr. he Money called Mustache. again? Mr. Money Mustache. It is, is very interesting. And if you are interested in city planning at all, city planning does not just happen in the background, as this guy alludes to um, in one of his segments or one of his paragraphs. But city planning is always happening. And there's zoning associated with it, placing things and planning for where things will be built, even though it happens lot by lot. This guy analyzed car-free city benefits specifically on a monetary value. So there's a table and we'll provide a link to this article and hopefully maybe even post the table on social media, perhaps, Bob. Mm -hmm. So just to break it down a little bit, we'll just go on the individual level uh, related to savings per year and then a wealth increase over 50 years. So he broke it down into five categories, reduced road spending, less land wasted, reduced car miles, reduced medical spending, and increased productivity. So he has reasons why these numbers are the way they are, but ultimately that is an increased level of savings of 20, almost 21,000 a year on an individual basis, which equates to oh, 2.3 million over 50 years. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty That's cool. a lot. And then you you take that to a national level and you're looking at a wealth increase for the nation of 774 trillion. Over 50 years. Over 50 years. Yeah. One year is 2.3 trillion. That's like 10% of the deficit. No, it's actually 7 trillion. Yeah, look at that. Sorry, right. 7 trillion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's super interesting. Really interesting. I think it's a pipe dream. I don't think it's a, a realistic to apply uh, in any way, especially to a country like the United States, which essentially was developed around the automobile. Um, it would just be a complete 180 um, in a country So the things that, that'll, yeah. the, the things that'll obviously be talked about are emergency services. So getting um, like a fire truck to a building. If you don't have roads, how do you do it? Well, you provide basically wide 
pedestrian access ways that could handle a fire truck. Same thing for ambulances. If you can handle a fire truck, you can handle pretty much everything. What about deliveries? Well, you deliver to one spot and then have small little go-karts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's super interesting. And it seems like it's, it, it would be super beneficial. Uh, again, it's a little too late. <laughs> um, yeah. All but right. the, the project is called cul-de-sac. Next one. Move over Airbnb. Fairbnb is making waves in Venice. And the gist of Fairbnb uh, and, I, and I guess this is actually their mission statement. It says, we are inspired by fair trade, circular economy, and sustainable develop this, well, I'm sorry, sustainable development goals. Like all other platforms, we ask for a fee for your bookings, but unlike other platforms, we transfer 50% of the commission to community projects in the host area with the goal to redistribute wealth and create jobs. I love it. It's sort of a counterbalance to the, all of the negativity that has Air, Airbnb has received regarding increasing uh, rent rates, sort of pushing residents out of areas because investors essentially will pay more for a property and make the nightly rate, uh, you know, unrealistic yeah. for most residents. And so this is a way to kind of have the best of both worlds, a counterbalance. I, one of the interesting things, it's like if you do invest with Air, Airbnb and have a property with them, you're not going to get the same profits you would get with Airbnb. But you're giving back to the community, you're helping people, and it's a more utilitarian, community-driven idea. So you need to be on board with that to get a property and post it with them. Um, but I think that there's a peace of mind that comes with that. You yeah. know, I, I, I pers personally, I wouldn't feel comfortable investing in a country like, you know, Elliot, when we were in Morocco, how many of those places were owned by those Airbnbs were owned by foreigners in Europe. And it seemed like Spain was a big place. And so yeah, you have Spanish owned landlords in an African country. And yeah, I mean, those places are no longer affordable for Africans. And so, yeah, super interesting. So I think, I think the whole, idea. the whole concept is that it's like one host, one house. Um, I think there are a lot of cities, at least in the U S adopting a measure where, you can have an Airbnb pretty much anywhere in the city, but you have to be in the house. You can't just have it as a short-term rental and only be a short-term rental. It has to be lived in. But then there are other areas that are more touristy that you could have a short-term rental that nobody lives in full-time. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't look into it, into like the real nitty-gritty details, but it says that Airbnb, just like Airbnb, charges a commission to the host, 15% of the rental. I, I, it sounds like that's the same what Airbnb charges. However, Airbnb puts half of it back into the community and social enterprises and things like that. So to the as the landlord, you might not even see a difference in the fees that you're charging, which yeah. sounds like a good idea for Airbnb to entice these landlords to use their platform. But at the end of the day, not only does half of your 15% fee go to the community, you actually get to pick which projects in the community you want to support. Yep. Pretty cool. Yeah. Very, very, very cool. Yeah. Like it. And our last piece is a $20 million gold heist. Yeah. Ocean's, like uh, Ocean's, I don't know, 17, 14. 14. Yeah. What one of the Maybe 15. 
And this Maybe is a big 15. deal, man. So 20 million in whatever Canadian dollars are. I think it might be the Canadian dollar. So 14.84 million in United States dollars uh, of gold and other valuable things uh, were stolen from a holding facility in the Toronto Pearson International Airport. The plane lands in the airport. Uh, the cargo was unloaded and then it disappeared. Um, yeah. I don't know if there has been an update on this. but There hasn't. There hasn't. You checked. Okay. No. Yeah. And so the greater Toronto airports authority is obviously aware they've made themselves clear on that. They don't know how the thieves access the, the side of the warehouse and they don't know how they got away with 14.84 million in gold. That sounds super heavy. Like so we're talking, we're talking about someone who knew this was coming. That's you now this is like all my own theories and just from what I understand from watching oceans 11 and 12 and 13, um, <laughs> you probably had someone aware of this shipment coming in with like trucks ready. They had to load these trucks up yeah. in enough time where no one noticed that $14.84 million worth of materials were being stolen. And now they're gone. I, it's a little I'm, over 500 pounds. I'm, uh, I'm suspecting that this was an inside job. You know, <laughs> maybe there'll be a inside, movie about it. There probably will. Yeah. Someone in the inside is aware of this. Like, there was, there, this wasn't just some cat burglar. Like, this was obviously planned out, thought. This out. was Nathan Drake. Yeah. I don't know. Who's that? Uncharted. Who's Uncharted. That's a video game. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't have a movie. I don't have PlayStation. Oh, yeah, with uh, Spider-Man guy. Yeah, Tom Holland. Tom Holland. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, not cool if you're the guy who owned the $14.84 million in gold. Probably a pretty for bad a portion day. portion of it. Yeah, for yeah, a portion of it. But, yeah, um, I wonder how that plays out. All right. Yeah, maybe next month we'll have an update on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that wraps up our travel bites for this month. Up next, actually next week, we are releasing a podcast with a really, really awesome guest. His name is Eric Weiner. He wrote the book, a book that I personally have loved and I know I've talked about multiple times in the podcast called The Geography of Bliss, where he travels the world trying to find what makes a culture happy and which culture is happiest. The conversation was awesome. It's always great when you get someone on that we've talked about and have admired and you finally get to sit down with them and pick their brain. So that was, that made it a lot of fun. Uh, Elliot, you did a great job uh, on the interview. I, I do want to say, um, you, well, asked thank really, you, Bob. you did, you asked really good questions. And so uh, there was, there was large portions of it where I sort of just had the option or the ability to sit back and listen and kind of just, it was like a podcast I was listening to and not one participating <laughs> in, but I had a lot of fun. Uh, he was great. Um, and so we hope you like that one. Yeah. So again, thank you for listening to this show. Thank you for listening to all of our episodes. And again, if you love the show and you want to help support us, you can do so with as little as a dollar a month through buy us a coffee or buy me a coffee. And if you want to support us that doesn't require financial backing, uh, just share it with your friends and family. That's honestly the easiest way. Follow us on social media, subscribe to us wherever you can. Stay safe, stay healthy, and tune in to the next episode.